My name is Alan Smithson, your host for the XR for Business podcast, where we interview industry leaders who are either making or using immersive virtual, augmented, and mixed reality solutions for business. From marketing and sales, to logistics and training, to design and remote collaboration, learn how the world's largest organizations are implementing an XR for Business strategy and why you should too. Today's guest is Anthony Vitillo, better known as Scarred Ghost. Anthony is an XR consultant and author of an amazing blog called The Ghost Howls. He also runs a consulting company called New Technology Walkers, where they develop VR solutions and advise companies about how best to use VR and AR. Anthony recently traveled to the fourth annual Vive Ecosystem Conference, VEC, in Shenzhen, China. If you're not already following Tony, you can learn a lot by connecting with him on LinkedIn and subscribing to his newsletter at scarredghost.com. S-K-A-R-R-E-D-G-H-O-S-T dot com. Tony, welcome to the show. Hello, Alan. Thanks for this opportunity. It's so great to have you on the show. I've had a wonderful opportunity to uh, speak with you many times, and we are both very, very passionate about virtual and augmented reality, and I want to just thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Well, I'm very happy to be with you. I'm very happy to speak to you live after so many messages written on LinkedIn, so I'm super happy to be here. Let's just dive right in and we're, we're going to try to bring as much value as we can to the listeners today. We have a lot to go through. We're going to go through um, all of the different hardware aspects involved in virtual mixed reality, augmented reality, XR. And it's not just the headsets or you know headphones, but you've got things like uh, haptic suits, haptic gloves. You've got touch sensitive uh, stimulators. You've got VR headsets, AR headsets. You've got mobile phone-based AR, eye-tracking, scent devices, taste experiments, uh, hot and cold devices, thermal devices, and then tracking systems for motion capture, and of course, treadmills for you know omnidirectional walking. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start at something crazy. Haptic suits. Maybe talk about haptic suit and why and where these would be used in any industries. I am very interested in haptic shoots because they offer the, the promise of letting you use your full body in VR. So finally, you can be there with all your body. And you know that my first startup was about full body in VR, but using Kinex, so different approach. But I'm a big fan of having the possibility to kick objects, to move your body in every possible way and see your full self replicated in VR. The advantage of using the haptic shoots of uh, other approaches like the one that I used with Kinect is that you don't only have your full body, your full movement in VR, but you can also feel sensations. So you can have haptic feedbacks. You can see, you can see hot, cold, you can feel pain and whatever. So it's really full immersion, a bit like we've seen in the Ready Player One movie. Boyd Watts where the, that expensive shoot to fully be inside the races. So um, this is why I think they're very interesting because they can really enhance your virtual experience, your sense of presence, like we are enthusiasts like to say. And So let, let, let's unpack this for a second, Tony. What would some of the practical use cases of this 
I, I can see one in military training where, you know, you're in a virtual world, you're, uh, you know, in a hostile environment, and maybe uh, something explodes behind you and, a, you know, a piece of shrapnel hits you and maybe it vibrates. Maybe explain some other instances where this could be used in enterprise. Well, um, I think about different possibilities, like for instance, I was thinking, talking some time ago with a psychologist, and this can be interesting, for instance, to, for rehabilitation, how do you perceive your body? So if you see it, uh, you can see yourself as an avatar that is a bit too fat, too skinny, that uh, lacks some parts of the body or such to rehabilitate yourself psychologically, but can also be used to, um, for rehabilitation of your body. So if I can track all the movements, and I'm a medic and um, have to check my, my patients that have problems with the back, with the legs or whatever. I can really observe them like when they're moving. Uh, for instance, you talk about the military, but uh, I think lots of industries may have interest in evaluating all the body poses during a training. So if they're training for particular movements that involve all the body, I think the haptic shoots are the only real possibility. Yeah, I was actually reading an article uh, the other day. It was more of a scientific paper talking about privacy and the fact that with haptic suits and these headsets, we're actually able to collect insane amounts of data. So we can not only collect data around your height, because we know how, how high you are from the floor, but your gait, how you walk, your movements, what you're looking at what you're experiencing, your heart rates. There's so many physiological aspects that we're able to collect incredible amounts of data. And so by collecting this data, all sorts of trainers will have unprecedented levels of data around the person they're studying. And it's funny because for years and years, we've studied people's movements, but we've never had anything this accurate. So it's really exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting for <clears throat> for the data input. But what I want also to highlight with certain kind of shoots, for instance, to make a name, the, the Tesla shoot, that is a very complete device that should be available maybe next year, is that it can also provide a feedback to the user. So, for instance, I, I send this video where people wearing the Tesla shoot were able to feel hot to feel cold, and also to feel pain. So imagine, for instance, uh, the training uh, of the military. You can really feel the pain of having been shot. Or if you are a firefighter, maybe if you don't uh, extinguish the fire fast enough, you can really feel the, the, um, the hot on your body. And so I think that can also be very interesting. Yeah, it can be amazing for, for you know, uh, firefighters or paramedics or people who are in emergency situations where training for these things uh, is almost impossible. You can't really train for every scenario in the real world. But in virtual reality, with these suits, you can now train in, in a really realistic way for things that are very rare. I love that. Yeah, because the, the great thing of VR is that you can perform this training and really simulating the, the situation when the person will be in. And the more the simulation is realistic, the more when this person will really have to, to solve the, the problem, uh, will, will be prepared to solve it. So for instance, 
if you really have um, to, to extinguish a fire, and in the virtual simulation, you've already felt the, the cold, maybe also the humidity, whatever, of that moment when you will be in front of the fire and you really feel the, the, the hotness, you will be already prepared. So this is what I think it's all uh, also be very important of these shoots. Of course, there will be products tailored and enterprises that are not products ready for the consumers. But since we're talking about using XR for industries, for enterprises, I think that it will be a very important application. I agree. And just to talk some brands that are out there now, um, you, you mentioned Tesla suit. Are there any other ones that you that you know of that are out there right now? Well, I, I know various names. Uh, another one that I want to mention that uh, I tried two times, one also at the BEC is Behaptics, that is a Korean company. That the thing is, it's interesting that it's making a modular shoot. So you can buy the module for the face, for the chest, oh. for the arms, and for the legs. So you can also only buy the pieces that you need. And it can provide mostly vibration feedback, <clears throat> but it's, it's good because it can be localized. So I tried a paintball game and I really could feel the vibration in the exact point I was shot in the chest or also in the face. It was very strange when I, I got the vibration in my face because I've been headshotted by my opponent. And I um, and it also works with various devices. Uh, now it works also with the Vive Focus. So you don't need a PC. You just need, uh, you don't have cables. You just have a headset on your head and the shoot on your body. So this can be very, very powerful. It's interesting that you mentioned the Vive Focus because you were just in, uh, in China at the Vive uh, ecosystem conference. And one of the things I actually interviewed the president of HTC Vive, Alvin um, uh, Wang Graylin, and he's actually going to be on a different episode of the podcast. So if you're listening, you can look up that podcast as well. One of the things they mentioned is the launch of the Vive Focus Plus, which I believe you had a chance to take a look at. And one of the things they mentioned was this ability to take up to 40 headsets at once, synchronize them in a up to 900,000 square foot space so that you could do very large scale trainings. And I think now that you mentioned the B-Haptic suit combining with that, this is going to be a very, very powerful tool for enterprises. Yeah, of course. I was there. I've listened to all the presentations by HTC. I've seen also other companies working with them, like, for instance, Modal. Maybe we'll talk later about that here in this podcast. And I think that the strength of HTC now is the services that they're offering for enterprises. So um, this kind of ability to configure more headsets at once and also to create such kind of situations so you can multiple players in large spaces. Um, and yeah, for both for entertainment, where you can play in large spaces, both for serious applications, so you can have serious games or directly training with different teams that have to train together. Um, everything without a cable because the Focus Plus is completely standalone. I think that it can be really important. So I I have one here on my desk and I think that's an interesting device. Um, and yeah, so I think that companies may evaluate the use of this device, especially for 
uh, when there are multiple people involved and the, the company doesn't want to buy lots of pieces, have lots of cables and strange stuff in the room. Yeah, it really democratizes and makes it easy for businesses to get involved. And I think, to be honest, if you look at the roadmap of VR um, in general, everything kind of launched and kicked off in 2016 to the public. But I think businesses are really going to start embracing these standalone headsets. So while we're talking about VR headsets, let's kind of unpack some of the other ones that are uh, becoming more prevalent in industry. You've got, you know, the Vive Focus Plus, uh, Oculus Quest is coming out, the Vive Cosmos, uh, the Pimax 8K, the Varo, the Pico. So which one of those have you tried and, and where do you see them kind of fitting in to different enterprises? Well, um, I think that it's great that this year we're going to have lots of new interesting devices. So it's great to see the industry growing, but it's also important for companies to start understanding what are the, their needs and so what are the devices that can fit their needs. So the Oculus Quest is a great device that is coming, very polished by Oculus. It will be quite cheap, only $400. There is also the Oculus Go that is already on the market. That is just a viewer of 360 content. What I think that is important is that um, I also understand the, um, the business license because uh, the Vive Focus Plus is quite expensive, costs $800, but it has a clear business licensing. There's business services, assistance. Uh, there is a kiosk mode and all the things that are fundamental for a company. The Oculus Quest currently, when we'll be launching, most probably will be mostly a consumer device. So it will be probably uh, a bit better than the focus for what concerns the, the comfort and the controllers that are more ergonomic. But it's not clear if the, it will have a business license and business services since day one. Um, there are rumors about a business version of the Quest coming next month, but it is important that companies understand if there is a business licensing or not and what it offers. So this is the first thing that is important to say. I agree with you, Tony. I think it's really important to kind of unpack that just a little bit because Oculus and HTC both realize that the path to uh, mass consumer adoption of this technology is actually through enterprise applications. And we saw that very early with uh, mobile phones with the BlackBerry uh, being very powerful business tool and then becoming uh, a consumer uh, tool after that. But really what's going to happen with these, and I, and I think Oculus, they, their official stance is that they're, they want to market towards the enterprise, but all of their advertising is towards the consumer. So there's this, this kind of disconnect. And uh, Oculus being owned by Facebook, I really don't know that they have the experience. The interns. Yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like they, they have that. But, I mean, we'll see we'll, with the Oculus Quest. We'll see what kind of services they provide. But definitely HTC is uh, really far ahead with the services and being able to do that. So I want to just kind of shift focuses for one second. And for those of you who are listening who have never don't really know about the VR headsets and the difference, there's kind of two types. There's three degrees of freedom and six degrees of freedom. And three degrees means you can look up, down, left, right, and you're in the space, but you can't move around. And then six degrees allows you to look up, down, left, right, but also move in those. And the newer headsets will allow you to move. 
it makes a huge difference in the amount of immersion, but also the things you can do, being able to have controllers or see your hands in virtual reality and connect and move things around. And that's six degrees of freedom. So you have something like the Oculus Go, which is a $200 headset, which is perfect for 360 videos if you want to do some basic training for people. But And they can interact using you know gaze type gaze controls, but you can't move around. And that's kind of the difference between the two. And then you have tethered and untethered, meaning connected to a big computer uh, or a backpack computer or standalone, meaning the entire computer device is on the headset. So just for those of you who are new to this, that's the difference between the different headsets. Is there anything else you want to add to that before we move on? No, I think that you said everything perfectly. And there's another headset. There's two out there. One's called the Pimax, which is an 8K headset, which it it's like wearing a giant scuba mask. It's massive. And uh, the view is beautiful. I mean, it looks really gorgeous, but it's there's no way anybody in the public is going to wear this on their head because it is, it is like wearing two massive cell phones strapped to your head on a, on a diagonal. Um, but then there's another one called the Varo out of, I believe, it's, is it Sweden or Finland? The Varo is from Finland. Finland, sorry. And these guys, um, they're selling the most expensive VR headset in the market. And what their claim to fame is, is having a really, really wide field of view and very, very high optics and, and uh, resolution. And that thing is, I think it's $7,000. <clears throat> I, I remember something around six thousand, maybe thousand dollars. It was super, super expensive. It's it seems super expensive, but let's break it down for a second. About five years ago, companies would spend millions and millions of dollars building a, a virtual reality cave so that people could start working in three dimensions. And if you fast forward now, six thousand dollars for a headset that allows your companies to design in virtual reality and have meetings in virtual reality while designing one headset saves one flight and there's one flight paid for the headset so in enterprise this is not a lot of money in consumer i can't imagine anybody's going to buy one of these headsets but in the market they're going after it's really valuable to design companies in one of the other interviews we did was with uh, elizabeth Barron, who headed up the vr division of ford and every single car that they make has to be viewed in virtual reality by all the senior executives and they have a big meeting where they're all around the world meeting about the car and seeing it in different lighting conditions and all this and what they need is the best possible quality and so i think for that reason these high-end headsets are going to work speaking of high-end headsets let's touch on some of the ar headsets or the augmented reality or mixed reality headsets you've got a ton coming out now you've got the hololens HoloLens 2, Magic Leap, Nreal, RealMax, Vuzix, uh, North Glasses, Epson Vivario, Google Glass. So let's start at the top. Let's talk about the HoloLens. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thought is that Microsoft is doing a great job because it has created the AR market with the first HoloLens and now after some years it has created the new HoloLens, HoloLens 2 that is a big improvement over the previous one. Um, from, I have not had the pleasure of trying it yet but from what I can I have read the, the greatest improvement is that it is much more usable. If you have ever tried to use a HoloLens one for 
For instance, for a training experience, it was really a pain because the only interaction was through the air tap gesture that it was like an air click with the index and the thumb fingers. Oh my goodness, it was impossible. So basically, you had to put this headset on people and explain this weird clicking, like it's like a mouse, only you got to stick your finger up and point it out. And if anybody who's ever tried this knows what I'm talking about, anybody over 40 had a real hard time trying to figure this out. Anybody under 20 picked it up instantly. But the the ability to get people working on this immediately was difficult. And you posted something yesterday with the HoloLens 2 and the interactions. Maybe talk about the new interactions that HoloLens 2 brings. Well, the, the first interaction that was for the one of the HoloLens 1 was a disaster because there was only one interaction and the system wasn't able to attack it well. I had tremendous experience with that. Instead, the HoloLens 2 brings some more natural interactions with both hands. And so basically, you don't have to teach how things work. You just... Use it like in real life. You have to scroll things. You just scroll them with your hands, uh, moving the hands uh, from down to up. If you have to click buttons, it's just to put every a finger of yours on the button and press it. So it's 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 hard to me to explain that because there's no explanation needed. You just do what what you think it is intuitive to do. The system can detect all your hands, all your fingers, and so everything just works. Um, It's not only the hands, it's also the eyes. And there is a demo by Microsoft that you are reading a text, and when your eyes arrive at the end of the text, the system detects that you have read everything, and so scrolls automatically the text so you can continue reading. Hold on a sec. So basically, because there's eye tracking, And because the system knows exactly where you're looking at all times, it can know when you're at the end of a sentence and and move it up for you. Think think about that for a second. The world is going to move to spatial computing. And let's just talk about the difference between VR and AR for a second, because I I think we skipped past that. Virtual reality puts on a headset and transports you to another world. All of these headsets are going to start to have eye tracking and all of these things. But in augmented reality or mixed reality, you're actually seeing your real world with data painted on top of it and the ability to look at something and instantly have the, the information in context to that immediately in front of you. And now with eye tracking, it knows exactly what you're looking at and can bring up information and know when you're finished reading it and get it out of the way. So this is really, really an important fundamental. Eye tracking is going to be in every single pair of glasses. Yeah, um, sorry if I interrupt you, but um, uh, something has come to my mind. There are some companies that have asked us to make a system for the HoloLens so in AR so that a worker, like a maintenance worker, could do something uh, to repair a machinery with the hands. At the same time, see the manual in augmented reality in front of him. So the great advantage of using eye tracking, for instance, the solution provided by Microsoft, is that the worker can have the hands in the machine performing his work, and at the same time with eyes look at the manual that will scroll automatically the instructions of how to repair the machine. So this is something that can be very important, for instance, for maintenance, in my opinion. I agree. In fact, uh, there are some studies by Boeing 
that are using this technology immediately now, and they're seeing a 25 to 45% decrease in the amount of time that it takes a worker to complete a task. Now, think about that, 25% faster. That alone is incredible. But the real kicker comes in the fact that they have near zero error. Wow. So by putting the instructions up in front of them, they're seeing near zero errors. And there, there are companies out there like Upskill. Uh, they're going to be on the podcast as well. There's um, some other companies there that are really starting to take digital menus or, or digital manuals and put them into a heads-up display so you're completely hands-free and you have the information when you need it in context to when to what you need immediately. And that is a really powerful tool that, well, very few enterprises are, are working on now, but I think it's going to explode in 2019. Well, in the end, it will disrupt completely the maintenance sector. In my opinion, in maybe five years, all the maintenance operations that we know now will be completely changed by AR and MR. I agree. So... We've talked about the VR headsets for training, for simulations, that sort of thing, for design. We've talked about augmented or mixed reality headsets, the HoloLens, HoloLens 2. Uh, Magic Leap is kind of a HoloLens competitor. They uh, really went after the consumer market, and they're actually going to be selling through AT&T stores uh, starting this week, I think. And I think Microsoft really has a firm grasp on the enterprise of this. And I think they've got a, a really good head start because... One, they have great relationships with all the enterprise clients already. Two, they're building services into their Azure cloud. So that's really exciting. And now everything's going to just work with your current BIM systems if you're in construction or your, you know, your CAD diagrams. And I think one of the things that came up at the HoloLens 2 launch that I think is going to be revolutionary is a program called Spatial. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, Spatial has... I think that it's one of the best for what I've been able to see collaboration tool. It's not the only one because there are various ones also for VR. Uh, there are some custom solutions. There is, for instance, one for NVIDIA in VR that is also very, very good, also very, very expensive. And <clears throat> it is important because it lets you... Um, the workers of a company that are maybe in offices in different parts of the world, maybe someone in Beijing, someone in New York, someone in Rome, um, they can meet in augmented reality, they can discuss ideas, they can uh, work on 3D models together. So for instance, to refine uh, a prototype, uh, they can meet as they, if they were in the same space, seeing them together, interacting, talking. So imagine how this is great because this can save lots and lots of money from companies. I was talking with uh, the CEO of a Chinese company that is working on another uh, collaboration tool in VR called Xcall. And he explained to me that, for instance, for certain kind of companies that produce objects, uh, so not people like me that, for instance, create software that can be exchanged easily by just sharing a folder maybe on Dropbox. But people that have to create concrete objects, real objects, maybe they have to share prototypes made with chalk, wood, or whatever. And creating these real prototypes, sharing them by sending these packages all over the world, then having a meeting, it's, it's all a waste of time and money. 
big money. It's not just some hundred dollars. So the possibility to meet in only one virtual space, talk together and modify an object together. So instead of printing, of 3D printing, for instance, the, the object you're working on, I don't know, a remote control for a new TV. Um, you can see this 3D model of the remote control in front of us and we can discuss in front of it and decide to change it together all with zero cost because that 3D model is just a virtual object so can we modify it on the fly we can take pictures we can see multimedia elements together and at the end of the of the day there is a modified version of this object that is okay for all of us and without spending money and the saving for companies is really huge and that's why there are lots of companies working on this kind of solutions and Spatial can be one of the best also because it works with the new HoloLens. Yeah, and then one of the things that uh, has come out of these types of uh, collaboration tools, and I think it's important to note, is that they have to be completely interchangeable with all the different XR technologies. So if you break down XR or extended reality or whatever you want to call it, into its individual components. You've got the real world, and then you've got this sliding scale of immersion where you have augmented reality or overlays of computer graphics on top of the real world. Then you've got mixed reality, meaning overlays of computer graphics on top of the real world in context. So it knows that's a table or a chair and it it builds the experience around the objects that are in your real world. And then you have virtual reality where it, it completely hijacks your whole world. If you look at this scale of these one of the things that I think is, is going to be an important factor in mass consumer adoption, but also in businesses, is leveraging the power of the mobile phone. Mobile phone-based augmented reality has only scratched the surface. It's been around for five or six years, and companies are only starting to scratch the surface. You know, One of the things I saw, which is really cool, is a, a company called PlaceNote, where you hold up your phone and you can leave a note for somebody in 3D space So say you're working on a house and you want to leave some notes saying, uh, don't forget to move this thing here, or you can leave notes for your housekeeper or your Airbnb host or whatever. There's some incredible things that can be done with the mobile phone. So if we take away the glasses for a minute, let's see what we can do with the mobile phones that are in everybody's pocket. Because by the end of 2019, there will be about 2 billion devices that have powerful AR built right into them. And they're in everybody's pocket. So let's let's unpack some of the things that we can do with those phones. Well, I think that, as you said, the, the augmented reality runs in the phone is great because every one of us has a phone. Um, the classical example is that we see how it is great with Pokemon Go. That there were lots of people running like zombies for the city, something for Pokemon. So we see how it can be powerful, uh, augmented reality on the phone. I think that the tablet with its wider screen can be more important for AR, even more than the phone, because I've seen some examples, I've tried some examples where you can, I could see augmented reality through the tablet is, is, is great because you can see why surface augmented. And some applications that come to my mind, I've seen interesting things, one in Again, in maintenance, because I can have, for instance, I was this company, I don't remember the name, where I can look at my car is not working. I just 
open it, I, I see the engine, I take my tablet, I frame my engine, um, there is a worker that sees what my phone sees and can write on my screen, can send me the instructions to fix what is not working. So what I'm going to say is that I could see the augmentations from my phone or how can I fix my car if it is broken and I'm not a mechanic. So it could be important interesting for every one of us and especially in certain sectors where maintenance is important. And another experiment that I've seen is using, uh, was quite original, was using the, the phone to see MRI scans of the body. So there were this kind of doctors sharing these MRI scans and moving the phone, the, the doctor was able to see the particular slice of the scan and so analyze better in a more natural way where can be the problem for the patient. That's incredible. And, and I think that's a really great use case. We, we don't touch too much on the healthcare use cases, but they're so vast. I mean, we could build a podcast just around the healthcare uses of this, everything from MRI scans in augmented reality to mixed reality, aiming surgical tools to make sure you're, you're accurate to uh, virtual reality um, simulators to treat PTSD and other things like this. The applications in the medical industry are literally endless. Can I just add the one thing that I think is fundamental for your, for your listeners is that uh, even if it's more dedicated to consumers, but what is huge now in 2019 with mobile phones in AR is advertisement because there are lots of experiments how to use uh, advertisement with AR filters or such. We, we all know Snapchat is doing great things with Snap filters and such. You can try, for instance, uh, makeup on your face directly with an AR filter. You can try sunglasses. Uh, there is also a great campaign by Burger King that makes you burn the ads of the competitors in augmented reality. And I think that it is important for companies to know that ads in AR are really more performant than the standard advertisement services. You're absolutely right. That Burger King one, basically you take your phone, you point it at a competitor's ad and it catches on fire and gives you a free Whopper and then allows you to post the video of you burning down their competitor's poster or billboard or, or anything. In the first week, they gave away 50,000 Whoppers. And imagine the earned media that they got around the world from that. I know when I posted it on my LinkedIn, it got over 100,000 views just on my LinkedIn. So you can imagine the amount of eyeballs that Burger King got from this. And it probably only cost them maybe, I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 to build that application. Yeah, probably. Incredible. And I don't know how much it cost, but it was far less than the revenue that they brought in from it and the marketing. So you're right. Absolutely marketing. If you look at Snapchat alone, Snapchat filters, they have built over 400,000 filters on Snapchat. And, and this is not them specifically, but people building them. And brands are starting to jump on board. Nike's done a bunch of stuff with LeBron and with um, Michael Jordan. So Snapchat is leading the way in mobile phone-based augmented reality marketing and advertising. So you really nailed it on that one. And there's, there's companies like Admix. Uh, Samuel uh, Huber has been a, a guest on this podcast as well. He's creating programmatic 
augmented reality advertising so that brands can now scale their advertising using his platform uh, on Instagram and Facebook and now Snapchat. So it's really an exciting time for advertising as well. Yeah, it's it's a new world. And I think that it's important also to jump now that there is not that much competition, maybe. So for companies, it's it's a great opportunity to start making advertising in a new and more effective way. I agree. And I, I think I look at mobile phone-based AR as the training wheels to where the world's going. In the next five years, the devices like HoloLens and Magic Leap and these, these really industrial glasses that are being used for enterprise, I think are going to end up on the faces of everybody because you, you just won't be able to compete anymore. If, if I wear a pair of glasses and it gives me all the information I need real time in context to the world around me, and you don't, good luck trying to compete with me in my job. So I think we're going to end up having these glasses that give us superpowers on our daily basis. And some of the other things that we, we didn't touch on yet, haptic gloves. Uh, we talked on about haptic suits and wearing like a full suit for haptics. But what about just something like a pair of gloves that allow me to reach out and grab something and feel that it's there? Um, the feeling of touch and seeing your hands in, in virtual spaces is absolutely incredible. Well, it's it's fantastic. It's it's a new field. Um, it's something that is still not consumer ready, but there are some enterprise solutions that are really, really interesting. Um, one that got very popular on the social media and such lately has been Haptex gloves. Yeah, H-A-P-T-X. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the devices are, are really great because they're, they're incredibly cumbersome and expensive, but they have a haptic engine that is really, really sophisticated. So you can really feel the sensations of touch all over your hands with a lot of precision, with a bigger resolution. So you just don't feel a vibration on the whole finger. You just feel the vibration on a single point of your finger, for instance. And so there, are, there is a demo with these glasses where there is rain in virtual reality. It can, you, you can really feel the drops of the rain falling on your hand. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And the, the haptic ones, the haptics ones also have force feedback. So I reach out and grab a can it feels like a can in my hand. It's it's a completely realistic haptic sensation. You can feel objects on your hand as if they were there. You can feel the, uh, how they are heavy and such. So it's really something that I will really want to have. But <laughs> Me too. I don't need them now. Tony, I tried the ultra haptics. Uh, it's just a little finger sensor. It looks like a, a blood measure, uh, like a pulse ox meter in your fingers. So I tried them at CES and I reached out and moved some blocks or whatever, and I could feel the haptic feedback. But the second part, they told me to stand in by a fire and then reach my hand in the fire. And so when I reached my hand in the fire, the finger uh, haptics <laughs> buzzed on my fingers and scared the living crap out of me. I jumped back about three feet. And I must look like a complete idiot because there's nothing there. But it scared me in a way that would be an incredible training tool. I mean, here's, here's something like McDonald's. Don't reach your hand into the deep fryer because this is what happens. It's better to train somebody in virtual reality than to train them when they actually could burn themselves. And so that really – it's stuck in my head. Like I touched a fire. It burned me. 
And even though I know it wasn't real, it felt so real. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, you mentioned ultra haptics, and it's a completely opposite approach from haptics gloves because uh, haptics gloves is really cumbersome device on your hand, uh, but gives you every kind of possible sensation with great precision, while the ultra haptics leaves you with your bare hands. So this is really like the future. You don't need any gloves, but there is a device that throws ultra ultrasound waves towards your fingers and can give you the sense of touch. But the, you can't have all the sensation that a glove can give you. What the thing that um, can be great really for, for training, because you can really make the people have the sensation of having an object in the hand. So every kind of training that requires tools, if there is not such kind of powerful gloves, it's just like, um, I don't know how to explain that. If you play a game virtual reality with uh, the standard controllers, uh, like when you have a sword, you have a gun, everything seems fake because you don't have the sense of weight. You don't have the real the sensation of these things in your hand. While when you use this kind of gloves, you can really feel the weight, you can feel the recoil of the weapons. And this means that for every kind of training that requires a tool, from the most precise one to the more uh, hard ones, like for instance, a gun, I think that gloves can really improve the training experience. I agree 100%. Something else that I, I want to bring up because it's underestimated on how this is going to be really important. And the last thing that I, I want to touch on is scent devices. Being able to provide people with a realistic scent, there's two, there's Vaxo, which is V-A-Q-S-O, and then Feel Real uh, is a Kickstarter on right now. I've actually had the chance to try Vaxco and I put on the headset and it had this little um, device that was underneath my nose that gave me sense and the scents were programmed in the experience. So for example, I reached out and grabbed a cup of coffee. I smelled the cup of coffee, brought it close to my face and as I brought it close to my face, the scent was released and I could smell coffee. And then I did the same thing with a chocolate bar. And then the last part of the demo, they told me, now smell the girl. And I thought they were punking me. I thought I was going to be on some television show. I looked to my left and there's this Japanese anime character and you have to lean in and smell her. When I leaned over, I smelled the coffee, the chocolate. And then when I leaned over, she smelled like perfume. And I will never forget that. And scent is one of the most incredible ways of our brain to remember things. And I think in, uh, in industrial applications where there are times where scent is really, really important. Maybe you're underneath a mine that has sulfur, uh, you know, and you want to give people that realistic experience of being there before they get there. Because some people maybe can't take going into a mine shaft with sulfur smell. Maybe they throw up immediately and it's better to know before they send them down there and spend thousands of dollars in training them to send them down. So I think there's a really interesting opportunity to use these scent machines what are your thoughts well i'm i'm a huge fan of all the researches that uh doesn't go to the mainstream direction of improving just optics and audio but also try to improve this kind of other sensation like the scent and the taste and i think that the sense of 
Uh, I've read various times that the sense, uh, our sense of smell is like one of the most ancient ones. It is wired in a particular way in the brain. So it is connected with lots of regions. And so while we're just a bit ignoring it in current VR headset, it's actually one of the most important senses that we have. And so it is important that we will implement it in VR if we want the simulation to be realistic. And what Vexo is doing is, is great. I also feel real that will come. It will also be able to provide the sense of humidity in front of your face. So not only the sense of smell, but also a bit of simulation of how the air can be is, is great. Not only for entertainment, but for instance, can be also good for marketing because you can associate a VR marketing campaign with pleasant sense that can make uh, the user remember better that brand. Oh my goodness. You know what? This could be used for, you know, real estate. You go into a real estate and they, you know, you smell cookies baking in the oven, maybe selling cannabis and you want the cannabis smell. Think about it. It can be used for literally anything and to market anything and creating a powerful smell interaction your brain doesn't easily forget that and i think it's really something that nobody's really fully uh, embraced yet I'm, I'm really excited to do some experiments on that yeah we, we should do that together because for instance imagine that as you say you're selling a house and when your customer enters in the house maybe there is someone that is cooking and uh, he can really smell the the taste of food or whatever, you can maybe then go on the balcony and see the smell of the sea, of the grass. I think that's something that we stick in his head and we make him continuously think about the house. So it can create a connection. Agreed. That would be great. Man, that would be amazing. I think we found our new business model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony... I really want to thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast today. I'm going to ask you one final question. What do you see for the future of XR as it pertains to business? Well, the, the sure thing that I can see as a trend is that it will be used always more. And I'm seeing that also in my customers. Maybe someone some years ago just said, ah, oh, yeah, I've heard about it, but... I'm not interested, and now they're coming again because the competitors have started using VR. So it's something that will be fundamental for business in next years. It is fundamental because it makes companies spare money and make the jo their jobs in a more effective ways. I've seen lots of uh, read lots of articles. I've seen lots of videos about the efficiency that companies are gaining. For instance. Uh, HTC always talks about Bell that can prototype an helicopter now in months and not in years as before, thanks to VR. And so I see this great trend. And regarding the technology, I what can I envision is that this kind of virtual reality is going to become always more uh, realistic. Um, as we have discussed now, there will be slowly all the, the adoption of new senses. So visuals are going to become 
very realistic. We have seen the Vario headset that is the resolution of the human eye, so we can't go further of that. Uh, audio is already well emulated. With the gloves, we are going to improve. Now the devices are very expensive, but I guess in a few years will be better. Uh, the sense of smell and taste will come later, but I'm sure that it will come anyway. So I envision lots of great things coming, lots of great hardware coming, and uh, I'm so happy to be here now. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot here, and I think the listeners are really going to get a lot. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast was another amazing example of how XR technologies are revolutionizing business across every industry. You can learn more about Anthony and Scarred Ghost by visiting scarredghost.com, S-K-A-R-R-E-D-G-H-O-S-T.com. Thanks so much and thank you, Tony. Thanks, it's been a great moment.